Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our speaker this morning should be familiar to all of you. He was commended, and his wife were commended to the work in the Philippines in 1987. And is now still commended by Brantford and Hiawasa, my understanding, and is, as the Lord leads, uh, serves the Lord in itinerant ministry. Since he, um, he married a Brooks, he's got a Florida connection, so he's got to come <laughs> back down every now and then. So we're glad to have a brother Ken, and we'll turn the remainder of our Bible instruction time over to him. Well, it's always good to be with you folks. Always enjoy our times coming down and having time with you. And I, and I really am praying that I don't give you any new diseases this time when I'm here. You know, the last time I, I mentioned I had such a bad headache that morning and I started to develop a cough, we didn't realize how sick I was, or we were, until we were on the train heading back up. Uh, we took the auto train back and we're on the auto train. And fortunately, the room we were in only had a few people in it. And... Uh, we, we, oh, it was awful. We felt awful. It was so uncomfortable. We said, we're never doing this again. This is way too uncomfortable. This is awful. And uh, then we got to CMML, and getting to CMML, you had to take a test, and we found out we were positive. And it was like, oh, my goodness, no wonder. And then I began to hear about people here getting sick, and it was like, Lord, I did that to them, to those poor people. You've got to know, I felt awful. I felt so awful about uh, having spread COVID to you, but I, I tried to give you just a mild case so that you could recover quickly and get some natural immunity, so I hope that was the case for you. You know, some ended up in the hospital, and for that I'm very sorry, <laughs> but uh, hopefully you'll be good, kind, and Christian, and forgive me for my transgressions before you. Thank you. I only heard one say he forgave me, but that's okay. I'm, I'm assuming that. I'm assuming, and he wasn't even... <laughs> Turn with me, please, this morning to the book of Lamentations. It's not a book we frequently go to, but the book of Lamentations, please. And we're going to read through the first of these laments. Laments, and I'll explain to you in a little bit after we read this section, but laments are really meant to be felt. They're meant to be felt and experienced by the soul. They're not simply ink on a page. They're meant to be felt and experienced. They're designed to draw our hearts. Draw out our hearts in sympathy and empathy for the ones who are lamenting. Whether that's in the Psalms, which I've been looking at, which one third of the Psalms are laments that are crying out to God. I looked in the book of Job and we felt his laments and heard his laments going up before God. We're supposed to let our emotions enter in to these laments. So try and do that if you can. Sometimes we're a bit wooden, but let's try and do that and see if we can feel the lament as we read it together. How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. How like a widow she is, who was great among the nations, the princes among the provinces, has become a slave. 
She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the feasts. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh or groan. Her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. And from the daughter of Zion, all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hands of the enemy with no one to help her. The adversary saw her and mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned gravely. Therefore, she has become vile. All who honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yes, she groans and turns away. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She does not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. She had no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy is exalted. The adversary has spread his hand over all her pleasant things, for she has seen the nations enter the sanctuary, those whom you commanded not to enter your assembly. All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their valuables for food to restore life. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am scorned. Is there nothing, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Behold and see, is there any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has afflicted in the day of his fierce anger? From above he has sent fire into my bones, and it overpowered them. He has spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He has made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions was bound. They are woven together by his hands and thrust upon my neck. He made my strength fail. The Lord deliver me into the hands of those whom I am not able to withstand. The Lord has trampled underfoot all my mighty men in, her, in my midst. He has called an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord trampled as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. 
my eye, my eye overflows with water because the Comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreads out her hands, but no one comforts her. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that those around him become his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I rebel against, rebelled against His commandment. Hear now, all people, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I call for my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders breathed their last in the city while they sought food to restore their life. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul is troubled. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, at home it is like death. They have heard that I sigh, but no one comforts me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. Bring on the day that you have announced that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and do to them as you have done for me, to me for all my transgression. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. Well, those are uplifting words, aren't they? Let's pray together. Father, we commit this time into thy care. We pray for your spirit to help and move and give us guidance as we look at these Uh, songs of lament throughout this day and the coming weeks. We commit it into your care in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been drawn to the laments by a little boy. Several months ago, I saw a picture on my Facebook post of a friend that was asking for prayer for a little boy. Eight years old, and he has cancer so bad. His mouth is swollen, his jaws are swollen, he's lost teeth, and he is in pain. And since that time, I've been receiving updates from them. And the updates come. Good session today. He went out and played with his brothers today. Good Christian people these are. Good Christian family they are, love the Lord, and their little boy is suffering. A few weeks ago, I got an update on him that he had had a terrible, terrible time in his treatments in his, because they're doing chemo and stuff on him. He had a terrible time. He told his mom, this is the worst day of my life. He's eight years old. This is the worst day of my life. Why can't I just go to heaven? Yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I received another update saying he, was, he went to his treatments. He felt so good afterwards that we took him to the park and he was playing with his brothers. They took, showed a picture of him and he was in some kind of a ninja pose. His face is all swollen. His eye is almost swollen shut. He's almost blind because of the cancer. And then later on it said, but by the evening, he was in severe pain like he hasn't experienced before. He was in agony, and we took him 
We took him to the ER. His father took him to the ER. They did x-rays and they said he has pneumonia. And they said, uh, his father said, no, no, he doesn't have pneumonia. You need to check further. You need to do a CT scan. You need to do an MRI. You need to do something else because it's not, it is not pneumonia. They were going to send him home with antibiotics. They did a CAT scan on him and found that now he has lesions all over his lungs and on his liver. And she said, for the first time, the oncologist said to me, we don't have much time. That stirred my heart. And one reason it really stirred my heart was because when I saw that first picture, three, I think it was like three months or more ago, he was in his mother's arms. And his mother looked distressed. And that little boy looked just like my grandson, Lucian. Looked just like him. And the Lord just drove that home to my heart. This little boy suffering and in pain and his Christian parents looking up to the Lord for deliverance, for victory. It broke my heart. And my lament has been over and over in some ways, it echoes the laments of the Psalms because I was reading them, the lament Psalms. Oh, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver him. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver him. O Lord, make haste to help him. But there has been nothing but silence from God. No change. No benefit, no answer, at least in our able ability to comprehend answers. Nothing. But in my studies over the last several months, I also discovered in the book of Lamentations, in these laments, these five songs of lament that pour out of the hearts of these people, I found a book that is contemporary for today. I found a book that speaks to hearts today. It's for the days in which we live. The results of continued turning away from God that the people of Israel did. God, down through the decades, had warned them and warned them and warned them that if they did not turn, that judgment and the curses that he promised in Deuteronomy 28, I think it is, would come down upon them. And he was long, long suffering, was he not? He was long, long suffering with the people of Israel. But God's word always stands. And he is always a righteous judge. Always righteous. When people ask me those silly questions that sometimes they ask you when they talk about the righteousness of God. Well, what about the, what about the people in, in deep, darkest Africa before the gospel ever reached them and they died? What about them? What about a child 
who never has a chance to hear the gospel or someone who's mentally handicapped and can't understand the gospel. What about them? My answer is always the same. God is a righteous judge and he will do righteously. And you don't have to worry about it. He's not going to make a mistake somewhere along the line. But here we have these cries that go up. A society, a whole culture and society of Israel and Jerusalem increasingly turning away from the things of God. We see the same trends in the country in which we live. We have heard the voice of God down through the centuries of this country where it became where it began as being a nation that was committed to the things of God when the universities that were first established were established as training centers for the ministry slowly and slowly turning away from God God is long suffering and he has people in this country that he loves and are committed to him and love him. But nevertheless, nevertheless, judgment will come. We see the same trends that brought about the fall of Jerusalem mirrored in our world. Mirrored in our country. Mirrored in Canada, I assume. I think they're part of the world, are they? We see these things, a society that is turning away from God and becoming increasingly secular, a nation that has turned its back on God. The times are different, but the sin is the same. Abortion is still the law of the land. We have hope that it will be overturned, but don't go to the bank on that. Do you think God sees that? What morality is, is challenged and questioned everywhere. What's good for you is not good for me. Morality becomes a, a thing that you decide for yourself. It's not based on the truth of God and His Word. Family structures secularized, gender confusion, and acceptance even by those who claim the name of Christ of different lifestyles. We have a couple that I know, good friends, and uh, deeply committed to the things of God. And they have a son who, made, who has made a profession of faith in Christ many years ago. And now has declared that he identifies as a woman and is in a relationship with, with another man. And it breaks their heart. But it's what they've been taught. It's what they've been hearing. It's what has been filtering in to the schools. It's what's there. Bible knowledge has just plummeted. Pursuit of things has replaced the pursuit of God. Prosperity is viewed now as a sign of the blessing of God. 
I suppose I could go down that line a long way, but we're not going to. Don't need to. Jeremiah and the prophets down through the decades had warned Israel of the consequences of continuing in this rebellion against God. And they would not listen. You remember Jeremiah's word in chapter 6, I believe it is, where he says, This is what the Lord says. Stand in the way and see. And look for the old path where the good way is. And walk therein and you will find rest for your soul. And what was their response? We will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. And so is the response of much of the country in which we live today. We will not walk in it. We will not follow the Lord. Who is the Lord anyway that you should tell us that we have to believe in Him? Laments are to be felt. Laments are to be experienced in our hearts. They are meant to design to stir our hearts. To stir our hearts. Fill us with emotion as we sympathize and empathize with the writer. Now, a lament can take on many different levels of intensity, can it? And laments are different than complaining, aren't they? We do a lot of complaining. Somebody was mentioning that even this morning. We do a lot of complaining. But the complaints aren't laments. See, laments are good. They're positive things. And we're going to see this as we progress through these weeks. Laments are positive things. Why are they positive things? When a lament is turned toward God, they are positive things. If they're internalized or put out at men, they are not helpful at all. But when your heart cries out to God, questioning God, questioning His, what He is doing, why has this happened? Why is this going on? Lord, why? It is a good thing your heart is turned toward God, looking toward Him for His Word. To be done in your life. So a lament can take on different forms and different levels of intensity. A sudden loss, a sudden unexpected loss will bring on a deep level of mourning and groaning. Someone is suddenly killed in an accident. Totally unexpected. And your heart cries out. Your heart cries out. Tim McClellan, suddenly taken from us. And our hearts wonder why. God is sovereign, we recognize. God does as He pleases in the affairs of men, and we recognize that. But that doesn't stop our hearts from aching, does it? Maybe, maybe we haven't experienced it enough yet. I think all of us in this room have experienced it to some level, to some intensity, the sudden loss. Memories can, fig, uh, can trigger another form of loss. Memories. Sometimes things change and we cannot control it. It's beyond our control. Things change. These last two years have been an evidence of that. Things have changed dramatically. And it can cause a lament. 
change that happens in our lives. We mourn. Things that we once loved and things that we enjoyed are gone forever. And we mourn and we cry and we cry out to the Lord. And we remember those things. I was, and one of the laments that I had been studying was Psalm 42. And we all enjoy the beginning of Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. I thirst for you. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. But we forget when we read those that that is just the beginning of a lament. What he is saying is, my heart's panting for you because I can't find you. Where are you? I'm searching for you. My heart is panting for you. And in the summertime, you know, in Israel, when, the, when things get really hot and all the water book, brooks dry up where the deer would naturally go, you cannot find them. And you keep searching and searching and growing faint, even as, they're, even as the, the ones who are looking to them as prey are seeking their lives. It's a lament. But in that lament... It talks about those who, who in, like in here, that are saying, where is your God? Those from the outside are looking at him and saying, so, so where's this mighty God you talk about? Where is Elohim? Where is your God now when you're suffering through these times? Have you had people say that to you before? Ever? You ever had anybody question, oh, yeah, you talk big about God, but what about this situation? Where is he now? Where is he now? And when we are in lament sometimes, and we're looking toward God, we may express some of the same things. We may not say them in the the same words. In laments, let me just clear something up now for my own sake. And you may not even agree with me. That's okay. You will be wrong. Laments are not unchristian. It's not unchristian to call out to God in distress and in anguish. Seeking His will. Seeking His understanding. It's not, it's not sinful to do so. It's healthy to do so. I would submit that it's healthy to turn out toward God. Oh boy, I just glanced over at the clock. Losses on any level can trigger laments. Loss of a loved one. Some of you here, I've experienced that loss and that loneliness that comes as a result of that loss. And the pain doesn't go away. It lingers and lingers and lingers. Easy for someone to say, oh, get over it. You can't. My cousin, he can't get over the loss of his son. Oh, sure, he's, he walks with the Lord and he's with the Lord and the Lord has encouraged him and strengthened him throughout the years since his son went. But you, the loss is still there. The loneliness of not seeing him is still there. Loss of a loved one long ago. Loss of a relationship 
I'm thinking of a, of a girl that I know who her whole life was before her. She was just so excited. She had met a guy. Oh, she was so excited about the whole thing. And they'd been going together, and she went and stayed with him. And, you know, not stayed with him, but she went into the area where he was, and she got a job down there, and they were going together, and she was just so excited. Her whole future is laying before us. Now she's already thinking about marriage. She's already thinking about her. And the parents are saying, oh, pretty soon we'll have grandchildren. And the next thing you know, the guy cuts it off from her, deletes everything on her Facebook account about her, and walks away. Now we think, well, that's a trivial thing. No, it's not. Not to the one who's experiencing it. It's painful. So loss on all kinds of different levels. It's just a part of our humanness. It's a part of our humanness. They're not unspiritual. They're they're life. They're life. That's why we love reading the Psalms, because we read the Psalms and talk about real life. Real life. They don't sugarcoat it. It's real life. It's the way things are sometimes. On a different level of, of mourning, and I know I'm running out of time. I won't even get through the introduction this morning. That's my fault. When I left the Philippines, and I think I've shared this with you before, when we left the Philippines in 2015, there were times when I would just be walking alone and would start to cry, and I did not know why. It was like my identity had been changed. It's like all, that I, all the years that we longed to be there was at an end. And I was grieving. I was grieving. I can't explain it. I can't explain why I was grieving, but I was. That's loss. It was a loss that my heart turned to God. And my cry was, Lord, do not put me on the shelf. Let me be you still. And he's granted that request, and I'm thankful for that. But I grieved. All these different levels of intensity. The, the book of Lamentations is a memorial. And we need to remember that as we go through it. It is a memorial. And it's a warning. It is a memorial. It's, it's like the memorials to the Holocaust. People will go and go to Auschwitz or they'll go to some of these camps and they'll stand there and there'll be memorials. that are Some of them have the names of the people that were there. All the, you see the crematorium and people come and they stand there and are amazed at the horror of what took place. And it's a memorial. And what's, it, what's that memorial trying to say? Don't let this happen again. Don't let it happen again. But man in his thick skullness doesn't learn. And I'm one of those people. We don't learn. The memorials to World War I veterans, the memorials to World War II veterans, the memorials to Korean veterans, Vietnam veterans. You see those men walking down that wall, touching names of people that they knew and fought with and are gone. And their hearts lament. And maybe their laments are this way and not that way. They are memorials. 
they are meant to cause us to remember. They speak of great pain and suffering. It's only when you get to the middle and the very center of these five laments, when you get to the very center, which is the, which is the portion that most people only know about the book of Lamentation, is His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Therefore, I will hope. That's right at the center of these laments in chapter 3. But right after that, he goes right back into lamenting the pain and the suffering of what they are enduring. If we ignore the laments of the Psalms, and this is a challenge to me and to, to you, I suppose, as well, if we will hear it. If we fail to feel the great laments of Job and Jeremiah and Lamentations, we become, as it were, guilty of turning our back on their suffering. We turn our back on their suffering and say it didn't matter. But it did matter. It did matter in the plan and purpose of God. If we turn our back on the memorial of their great suffering, of their war, and their captivity, and their pain, we're turning our back on what they want us to remember. Because it's not only a memorial, it's a warning. It's a warning. If you follow this same way, this will be the end result. Turn, turn, turn! Because the judgment of God will come. It will come. One day it will come. The horror of human suffering that they endured and the people of the world have endured for countless millennium. Lamentation calls our hearts to remember. They stir us if we let them. If we let them. Now these five songs of lament cause us to remember. Do not forget what we endured is the call of the narrator who is likely Jeremiah. Is the call of, of Zion, daughter Zion. It's the call of the strong man, if you will, in chapter 3. Do not forget our suffering. I have to end there. And, and again, as I've said before, the clock is the enemy of the speaker and the, and the blessing of the, of the hearers, you know, because the time runs out and you get to go. And, my, and I didn't get anywhere near where I needed to get to. But that's okay, I still got three weeks. And, I, and you know, as well as I know, that we're never going to get through all of this. But that's okay. I want to give you a framework from which to work as you go through the laments yourself. So we'll pick up from this point next week, Lord willing. Father, help us to feel the pain of your people. Help us to feel the suffering of your people. Here in your word, as well as the suffering of our people in our very midst, help us to feel lament. Help us to understand. Help us to be those who are 
turning away from the things that are wrong and evil and wicked. Because we know you and we love you and we want to serve you with our lives. Father, we commit our time of study today and for the next two weeks to come into your care. We pray that you would teach us, you would speak to our hearts, that we might learn and that we might grow and we might mature in our relationship with you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.